Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 310 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is March 3rd, 2014. Can't believe it's March already. Got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Apologize for a little lateness of the podcast. It was a big weekend. We were up in the Bay Area and Southern California for a couple of big rivals camps, so it's just been kind of crazy leading up to that. Coach Harvey Hyde is on secret assignment, so it's just going to be... Dan Weber and myself this week on the podcast. We've got some questions, and if you have any questions, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call us at 206-888-6755. That's 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there, or right on our webpage, peristylepodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail on the left side of the page. All right. Got Dan Weber leading off. He's going to do the whole show with us today. We've got a bunch of questions, football, some basketball questions, too. What's going on, Dan? How you doing? Oh, pretty good. Uh, eight days till uh, spring ball. I can't wait. It, it does seem like all of a sudden it's gotten here quickly. For a while there, it kind of was on, on pause because they haven't done as many, uh, almost any, winter uh, throwing sessions outside, which I guess is probably just as well with a new coach and, you know, a somewhat of a new system and all that. They might as well. They've got a lot of guys who kind of know what they're doing and uh, a lot of wide receivers who aren't completely healthy. And so uh, maybe you just wait till uh, wait till spring ball, get everything installed, and then uh, you know continue on uh, through the summer workouts. And but uh, a big kind of de-emphasis on the uh, throwing part of the uh, of the winter workouts, although they're doing more work, longer work uh, on the uh, strength and conditioning part of it. So that we're not allowed to watch them do that. So. Uh, uh, It'll, I think, even itself out. It's just the public part of it we're not getting to see. Yeah, so you know that's it's been a little frustrating, I guess, for us this winter because it's something we do like to cover and get to see the guys, especially when there's new guys out there. And maybe that's a good segue for our first question. Speaking of a new guy, uh, Melvin had a question, Dan, and this is someone we got to see in that that one winter workout that we got to attend. He said, uh, "You commented on a Genie Harris." Uh, but no one mentioned his position. So, what position do you think he is most suited for? I don't know. He asked. He, I mean, that was the question I said. What, what position? Are you, you know, did they recruit you? What position are you going to play? And he said, "I'm an athlete." And I thought that was a great answer. Uh, so I don't know. I think I think he <clears throat> he's one of those uh, one of those kids that it just seems like he he's a natural. He's just comfortable. Uh, and uh, we've heard good things. We saw really good things with him uh, catching the ball and running national patterns and having, you know, where he's not a blazer, not a just guy that just flies by you, but he certainly was into his patterns uh, quickly and easily and under control. Uh, real good hands. Didn't get to see him play defense. Uh, certainly heard uh, all kinds of good, you know, things about him on defense. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I think he can – he can play. I mean, I think the key with him will be uh, he can contribute, he can play, and uh, wherever they need him. Uh, yeah. I, to me, though, <laughs> as far as I watched him in high school, Dan, 
I thought he played corner very well. He played quarterback, not as great, but he, he made some good plays. And he was just the best, best athlete on the field, so that's why he had to play quarterback. But he looked really natural playing wide receiver out there. You know, yes, it was in shorts and T-shirts and stuff, but if I had to guess right now, and, and Steve Sarkeesian did say he's going to start playing on offense, seems to me like you know, wide receivers are a pretty good fit for him. Well, especially with the, the numbers uh, for the spring, um, and that'd be a good way to, and there is kind of a, you know, you break in on one side of the ball and it's not that hard to, to move you over to the other side. Uh, and I think that a kid like him, I think he's just going to be looked at as, uh, coming in as a, a potential two way player. And we just don't know which, which way, uh, way that is. Uh, they're certainly going to have more bodies on defense right now. So, uh, I would think, uh, He'll get his chance on offense, and, and which is what he certainly did the other day. All right. Um, well, you mentioned the uh, strength and conditioning part of these winter workouts, and they had a question from Kevin. He actually wrote in and put a link to a story. I think it was, uh, I think it was an ESPN story. Um, Ted Miller. I think it was a Ted Miller. He runs the ESPN Pac-12 blog about Stanford's uh, strength and conditioning coach uh, Shannon Turley. I believe his name is. Um, and he was he, you know, linked to that article. He said the best stat from the article is the number of games missed by Stanford's too deep dropped by 87% since Turley was hired and became working with their players. Uh, he said, could you use these types of numbers or could use these types of numbers uh, for our injury-riddled you know, past – could you explain these kind of numbers for the injury-riddled past couple of seasons for USC? So basically – he thinks it could be done if you hire a different strength and conditioning coach. You can cut yeah, down on yeah, the injuries. I, I, I'm not one to uh, jump on that bandwagon. And a lot of people have said, you know, they really want to uh, say USC needed a different strength and conditioning guy. And look at, you know, they wanted to say Stanford, Stanford, Stanford. And I really do like what the guy does at Stanford. I like the, what they do at Oregon. I like a lot of things that they're doing in the Pac-12 now. But if you ask me, I thought those USC 12 players on defense looked pretty darn strong and well-conditioned in that game against Stanford. As I recall, uh, the team that was a little bit stronger at the very end looked like those USC guys. Uh, so I think it's, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon. I do like some of the stuff that Stanford does in terms of the injury prevention and you know the cold therapy and all that kind of stuff that, um, that they seem to, seem to be doing. Uh, I think somebody, maybe as Ivan Lewis said, get used to it. There are a lot of good guys in the Pac-12 now. Everybody's got somebody that's pretty good. And uh, uh, I think we oversimplify. I do think there is something to the, and I wish USC would have pushed harder a little bit on this, but uh, I do think when you're watching the, uh, the combine and you realize USC basically had eight kind of, NFL combine player type players. And of those eight, seven have had kind of significant injuries uh, this year or last year. Devon Kennard missed all of last year. And uh, I think uh, looking at the uh, say Devon was the only one this year with George Yuko. I think of the eight players, everybody else was injured. And I, I was thinking – I don't think that's the case with many of these other big-time programs where six 
or seven of the eight players who came to the combine are coming. You know, Xavier Grimble had an injury, couldn't do everything. Silas Red tried, but obviously wasn't all the way back. Uh, Deion Bailey really had, you know, there wasn't a game where he wasn't banged up and, uh, you know, struggling a little bit, played through it. Um, uh, but, but Marquise Lee, obviously, uh, you know, this year. So just one after another, if you look down the list, and, and was that some of that, you know, you want to say strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning, or was it the fact that this is, you know, the second year of uh, of sanctions and having to play with fewer players? I think that's suspicious to me with those kinds of numbers, uh, kind of suspicious that something else was going on in terms of, of USC's kids and injuries. But but I do think they do some good stuff at Stanford. Uh, yeah, certainly they do. And I didn't that realize 87% there. And sorry, I, there was a little uh, a video started playing on my from a, a, one of our oh, okay. Rivals Camp videos. So sorry, there was a little interruption there in the middle of your answer. My, my apologies for that. Um, trying to multitask here, doing the <laughs> doing the podcast. Yeah. It was a long weekend, Dad. It was a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that was, yeah that's a long time. It was good stuff. I really enjoyed the Cameron Smith uh, interview. I thought that was and uh, and the highlights and the combination of those uh, made it worthwhile to to be up there for all the stuff. It looked like they had a pretty good uh, pretty good group of players showed up. Uh, I think rivals should be pretty pretty pleased with it. Yeah, that was great. I mean, it was the second year of doing a regional Southern California camp, and it was it was really good. I mean, it was a, a lot of great numbers there. Uh, not as good of a, a turnout up no, I mean, two hundred kids, and there was you know a bunch of four star kids and stuff like that. It was good. I, I think it certainly could be better, but it was the first year doing one in Northern California, so I think that uh, that plays into a little bit. But it's third year overall, these uh, regional camps for Under Armour, and I think they've been doing a a great job. They're definitely worth worth it for us covering them, and it's exclusive coverage, so it's only, you're only going to get it on Rivals and, and USCFootball.com. So we were there in full force all weekend. we got a lot of videos and stuff coming up, and like Dan said, Cameron Smith is a four-star linebacker who plays at Granite Bay, and if you remember Dallas Sartz, he played there, and uh, Dallas is now his, uh, I think his position coach. He's one of the coaches on the staff, Right. And uh, I actually keep in touch with Dallas. So I texted him the other day and told him that, you know, we were covering uh, Cam and he said he's such a great kid. And, you know, his his idols, Brian Cushing, and he was wearing the number 10 jersey on his trip to USC. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. And USC fans are like that. He was all in, you know, he was really a big UCLA lean until USC offered. And he seemed to like just change his tune. And so he's got a long way to go. And who knows where he's going to end up. But, you know, there's. USC seems to be the favorite in the clubhouse for him right now. Well, I liked it that he made one comment to Gerard was that uh, that he was working on on, on getting his, picking his feet up and and getting a little quicker because he knew Gerard had dinged him on that. I thought I don't know if he it sounded like he was it was a good relationship where he was glad to hear that that um, that I need to do this. I need to. It's, Six two and two forty. I don't know what he is right now. I know he said he lost lost weight, but I thought, gee, a kid that really pays attention to what people are saying and says, you know, if I want to be like Brian Cushing, if I want to be one of those guys, I uh, I need to. This is what I need to do. And he looked like he was really working on it. So uh, watching watching him dropping pass coverage and. And not giving up on plays and stuff like that, and not giving up on the ball. I thought um, you really got to see some uh, some good stuff with him. And then listening to him uh, answer 
I thought, man, this kid doesn't sound like a high school kid. Yeah, sir. <laughs> it certainly did not. And uh, I, one of those things, Dan, and I don't want to get too much into recruiting here, but it seems to be one of the offshoots or what just uh, the results, I guess, of these sanctions, and they've had to recruit fewer guys. Uh, there's a lot of really good guys, and I think they, they've been pickier about the kind of players that they're going after um, trying to recruit. It seems like you have to kind of get guys that are better students and and just they're not going to be problems in the classroom. They're not going to be problems off the field. You can't predict what everyone's going to do. But it seems like they're trying to get those guys that will likely stick around on the roster because there's not a whole lot of roster spots left. You can't really take a chance on a kid that, that might not be there anymore. Well, and, and they've done a good job. I mean, this has been uh, pretty much a, uh, a trouble-free roster when you look around. I mean, just one kid after another that you say, wow, that's a good kid. No, that's a good kid. I know when people ask me about, you know, these players, you think, man, they just don't, you don't have any bad feelings about about these kids. They just, um, just seem like uh, – you know, kids you you really trust, and uh, and they certainly have. Uh, and I think uh, Sark has has mentioned that that th- these are kids that have been really um, you know worth uh, uh, trusting uh, the way they've handled themselves, uh, and not. You know, I know people were worried about the the Las Vegas Bowl or whatever, and man, they were just uh, nothing but let's get ready and play the game and. You know, do what do what we have to do and uh, have a good time here. But uh, but uh, the game is what matters, and that's why we're here. And uh, and just go about their business. They're, they really impressive. This group of kids, really, really impressive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, well, let's move on. Tarek had a question. Do you think Shark? Uh, shark. <laughs> excuse me. Do you think Sark should continue to call his own plays? Or give the job that, or give the job to Clay Helton. Considering that Jimbo Fisher called his own plays and won the national title last year, it's clear it can be done. But many people dislike Kiffin for this reason. Well, I wouldn't want Sark to call Kiffin's plays. I think <laughs> would be first of all, there's not enough time. I mean, they were so wordy, and there was so much angst and all of that. But you know, if it keeps things flowing. And it keeps things simple, and it keeps you know everybody kind of on the same page. Then, then it's okay, I guess, for the the head coach. It just wasn't okay for Lane to do it the way Lane did it. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Sark that Sark can't do it. And I think it's kind of interesting if uh, if uh, Clay is going to be responsible for it in practice, and then uh, Sark is going to do it in the games. You talk about literally having to be on the same page Ooh, yeah. with, with both coaches and the player. That's a good thing if they are. The problem was, you know, with Lane, nobody was on that same page with Lane. <laughs> I mean, nobody. I mean, that was – he was on his own, own, own page. And uh, so I think it could be a good thing. Uh, Sark does it kind of easily, and, and it's not – you know, where I have to prove I'm the smartest guy in the room or on the field or, or whatever. This is just who I, this is what I do. I'm a, a former quarterback and I've always uh, called the play. So I'll just call them. No big deal. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm not, that, that doesn't 
throw me off as it did all of us last year when we found out at the um, Pac-12 Media Day that yes, indeed, Lane was going to call the plays. Yeah, that was a that was a strange. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. Yeah, it was. I was like, what? Okay. Um, and, have, and, and I think one of the first comments was, have you told Clay Helton, <laughs> who had put together the playbook over the summer and was the guy dealing with the quarterbacks, and here you go, end of July, and looks like, uh, nope, Clay, you're not going to be calling the plays. So that was not the way to do that. No. I not agree, the way to do it. agree with you 100% there. Uh, all right, well, we have a uh, voicemail question. There's actually – uh, it was a question for Coach Harvey Hyde, but he's not going to be on the show this week, like I said. So if you can get take it, that'd be great, Dan. Uh, here you go. Hey, Ryan. My question is for Coach Harvey Hyde. I was just curious, what position do you think Josh Shaw projects at the next level as far as a high, having a higher ceiling at playing safety or corner? Thank you and fight on. I think he, uh, he's a safety, I think. Uh, just with his frame – and he's kind of, you know, that quarterback, that uh, that captain of the defense, uh, that leader sort of a guy that now he was good enough to be able to – I mean, I think that was one of the reasons they hesitated moving him to the corner when they probably knew they should uh, because they thought maybe that would take him out of being able to kind of run the defense. And he still did it from from corner. But, but I think he's going to be um, uh, a safety who has the ability – to do what what a cornerback does, but I just think when he um, he gets to his full kind of NFL body type maturity, what have you, uh, he will be a, he'll be a safety. I think I don't think there's any question. I just think you have to be so unbelievably athletic to be a really good shutdown corner in the NFL. I mean, they are. It's just—it's amazing how how athletic those guys are, and when you see the receivers, they got to—you know—they got to cover. You know, they better be. But uh, if you ever get a chance, you ever stand in in a tunnel watching an NFL team go by, and you see these cornerbacks go by, and you think, man, that guy's playing in the NFL, and, and a lot of them are not big, big guys. You can't be too big. And, and still be able to, I mean, Richard Sherman, okay, every once in a while you're going to find somebody like that. And Pete's found a couple of them in Seattle. And I'm sure probably people are looking for more of those, you know, big rangy, big rangy corners. But right now it's hard, I think, to be athletic enough to be that kind of a, a corner. Uh, and I think, I think Josh, he does an amazing job, I think, considering – with his size and the fact that I think he's kind of a natural safety uh, to play corner the way he did and the way they needed him to. But uh, I'm looking at him as a safety. Um, before we uh, got on the call, Dan, we wanted to talk a little about spring football. We, we mentioned that a little bit, but I thought it'd be a good time to kind of share a few of your thoughts of uh, what you kind of expect from USC. Uh, you know, like you said, eight days away at the top of the show from spring football. It's hard to believe it really is almost here. First one for Steve Sarkeesian as the head coach at USC. What what are your expectations for spring ball starting? Well, I think one of the things that, that's fun about this spring is we really don't know. I mean, we don't know in terms of health how far along or different guys going to be in terms of full contact and when, you know, will that be 
maybe after a few weeks? Will it be right at the beginning? How do they uh, do all the things they want to do? They've talked about more of an NFL style, you know, installation kind of a uh, spring, as opposed to really getting into the you know the contact, the everyday tackling, and all that, that that's going to happen in the fall. But it'll be interesting to see, and I'm not sure they are absolutely certain as to how this is going to go or who it's going to go with. Uh, I mean, I'll be interested to see who's going to come out first time they run uh, run 11 on 11. Who's going to be the center? Uh, somebody's got to be, and I know they they're really hesitant death chart wise and all that to start trying to pick uh, you know, pick people, but they're going to have to have somebody and line them up some places. And uh, I'll be interested to see who ends up where. I mean, we talked about a Max Turk could end up at at six different spots if you count blocking tight end. Uh, and probably played most of those six already. And uh, who knows where he's going to be. I think they're going to you know, try to do, uh, do what's best for the entire team. And, and one guy's position may be determined by uh, a couple of others and, and how they, how they shake out. And so, I think they're going to have a chance to give everybody a shot and kind of just see, just see what works. I mean, there, you got to figure there are essentially uh, 16 starters back, eight on offense and eight on defense. So you're not looking for a lot of numbers in terms of sheer first team, but I do think they're really thinking uh, starters for next year are going to be the two deep. When he, he talks starters with the up-tempo, more plays on offense, but also more plays on defense, um, that they're going to be looking for – that they're not going to try. to. Last year they just made the decision, we're going to go with, try to be perfect on defense, and uh, and that eliminated some of the younger guys because uh, they really wanted to be able to play perfect to sign the football. And, you know, it worked, for example, against Stanford. Certainly they were way better – than a pretty good Fresno State team, and all of a sudden you realize there's a big difference between the level of athletes when they showed up. But then they didn't. You know, they weren't able to, with that with the numbers, they weren't able to show up and play against uh, UCLA. So I think that was a numbers thing that, that caught up with them a little bit. But uh, so, and I, and I think I look at the numbers too, and there's probably close to 20 guys who are – kind of on the on the cusp of being able to make that step up. Uh, you know, the, the Zach Banners or the Jordan Simmons or the Scott Stars and Jabari Ruffins and all those guys who showed you that, man, you know, Quentin Powell, that they can do it, but they really didn't get that much of a chance to do it. And they're going to get that chance to do it and to be, and, and to be in the mix. And uh, so how that all works, uh, we saw – Last year, kind of a magnificent job by Tommy Robinson working four running backs and, and, and making it work. And, and you know, there were games he only had two. But in games when he had four, he figured out a way uh, to get all four of them in, two of them true freshmen. And uh, I think we're going to see that in other positions, and it'll be interesting to see how that, how that works. Uh, and I guess the other thing we're going to see in the fall, whether we're going to see it in the spring, I don't think we know in terms of the up-tempo pace. And I'm not sure we've heard the coaches say 
things like you've never seen a team practice like this. And, and I'm not sure, and maybe they don't go back as far, these <laughs> teams practiced really fast and didn't practice long. And, and when Ed took over, they started practicing much faster. There was a lot less time between plays. They didn't practice as long. They, uh, they got done what they needed to get done, and they got it done pretty quickly. Uh, so I think the kids are going to adjust pretty pretty well. But I'm I'm interested in seeing, uh, you know, what what special you know features, uh, you know, in terms of this up tempo preparation. Uh, I'm sure they've got you know some things that that they did at Washington, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they how they incorporate that with uh, with practice and whether they do it completely in the spring or if they save that uh for uh, august not sure um all right let's see let's move on to a question from patrick and he actually wrote in about uh i guess it was a story he read about um some of the the what they expect to see from coliseum improvements and he wanted to know if we had some sort of coliseum wish list or improvement wish list for what you see it. I know you've talked to a lot of people about it, Dan, and people want to see certain things, you know, bigger seats or whatever, but what do you think the USC fan base wants to see from improvements in the Coliseum? Well, you know, I think one of the things that a lot of people, this is even the, the older fans, I think people are getting so used to uh, their cell phones or their, you know, whatever kind of cell phone or iPad or iPhone or whatever, uh, that I think we're going to see totally state-of-the-art stadium in California for the 49ers, the one in Santa Clara that's going to debut next year that's going to have so many bells and whistles in terms of people being able to – because, for example, I mean, I think they're going to give them six different views of the 49ers game that they're sitting there watching. And you can do all the highlights and send them to your your friends and all – and. And you do watch now when you look at any sporting event, half the people that you can see on the camera are on their phone. Uh, so I'm not sure. I know the uh, SEC has made a commitment that they would like all stadiums to be Wi-Fi, you know, compatible, Wi-Fi capable to, to handle. If everybody's on their phones, they still can handle it. I'd like to see something about that, but we're talking – there's, I think they're saying the SEC a couple of million dollars, uh, uh, you know, stadium uh, to do that. I guess one of the other things you'd love to see is not having those uh, private booths that uh, kind of disfigure, I think, the peristyle end of the Coliseum. I, I just think the peristyle is such a uh, an iconic uh, look for American stadiums, stadiums anywhere in the world. That you hate to see those tents in the front of it now. Whether that, whether there are some uh, new design possibilities for that, but you'd like to see. I don't know that you're going to see a whole lot of like millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars spent right away. I mean, even in total right now, I know they've got an architect, an architectural firm working on it, uh, and and working on kind of a wish list. My guess is it'll be mostly things like. Um, uh, concession stands and uh, and uh, uh, restrooms and and that kind of stuff. I, I mean, one one thing they do have, and it may not be as big as Texas's video board, but that video board 
is sensational. The sound and the and the picture, and um, to be able to see it the way you can in the sun and all that. Uh, you go to a Notre Dame game, for example, and you realize, man, I missed the video board. So, uh, so they there are some things to to recommend it, but um, but I'm thinking just like some of the basics uh, for for this coming year, and then uh, I think they're gonna. You'd love to see them really, you know, get into a serious uh, fundraising drive, or maybe they could get the NCAA to contribute after the emails come out. They could get the NCAA to contribute to the USC's uh, uh, Coliseum Improvement Fund. Uh, that might be a, a way way to go. <laughs> maybe you know, dedicate some <laughs> of that uh, NCAA money. Maybe if the if USC decides that you know what. Uh, you guys cost us a lot of money, and uh, we need a lot of money for the Coliseum. Maybe we can make these two things go hand in hand. Uh, then, then you could probably talk some serious stuff. But I think for the money that that they're talking now, that less than a hundred million, and I know that you know you say less than a hundred million, and people say that, that's like real money. But uh, but I don't know that they can undertake any of the the major redesign kind of things that, that maybe you'd like to see or the private box kind of things that you might like to see with, a, say, a separate building that that would be, um, you know, built right next to the Coliseum, maybe opposite the press box that would have um, private private boxes over, you know, overhanging the stadium and all that. Uh, I think you've got a similar situation. Notre Dame is doing that, actually. And uh, uh, Colorado did it with their stadium where it's, you know, basically a second building, but it's right there and it, it's right part of your stadium, even though it's, it's built separately. I think there are, you know, some options, but they're going to need, uh, you know, either a, a big donor or, or maybe the NCAA to come through on that one. All right. We'll see what happens with the Coliseum. Uh, one last topic for you, Dan, another basketball question and uh we've had a frequent caller on the subject and uh, we'll we'll play this one for you here here you go dan yeah this is richard from toluca lake again i'm calling about the basketball program uh two horrible losses turnovers can't finish uh no composure at all Enfield doesn't seem to know what he's doing and to top it off when i listen to the broadcast i either have to listen to bill walton marcus johnson or don mclean three ex-bruins talking about usc basketball uh, I'm going to give him again this year, but next year, boy, it's got to be different because uh, they just seem lost. I know they don't have the talent. Uh, I'd appreciate Dan Weber's comments on this. I know he's had some feelings. I read his, his article. Um, it seems that's pretty well sums it up. Thanks again. Enjoy the show very much. Bye. Okay. Well, Richard, uh, uh, right in. And uh, uh, <laughs> in terms of, uh, I, I, I will say this. If I were, uh, I, if if it's Bill Walton that's commenting, I'm thinking UCLA would rather not have him on more than USC would rather not have him on. <laughs> I, I love Bill; uh, he's such a piece of work. But uh, uh, I, you know, the the Bruins—that's their sport. So uh, they uh, they got enough of those guys that uh, went on and and uh, earned uh, earned the right to to get on television, and if you play well enough, they'll say good things about you. Uh, I, I thought Richard said a really interesting point, and, and I don't understand what happened. 
one of the things in going early and talking to Andy and then going to some of the early practices and scrimmages, and a big, big um, focus of Andy's was teaching kids how to finish, teaching kids how to make strong moves in the open court, not overdoing it, but one big powerful move and getting to the glass. And you just don't see that at all. And I don't know, I don't know where, you know, the Florida Gulf Coast stuff that we really liked. I mean, obviously, who didn't like the way they played at the end of the year last year? And not getting to see any of that. I mean, that team had style. That team had something about it. And it wasn't that they were marvelously talented athletes. They were, you know, they were good athletes, but they played really, really hard and really well. And we're not seeing that. And I don't know, I don't know what's happened in terms of you might not have uh, that great a team. It's not that bad a team. I mean, it's not, there's not much difference between the six or seven bottom teams in the, in the bottom half of the Pac-12. There's not, not all that much to choose you know, between them. And for USC to go one in 15 and 10 straight losses, that's just, that's not the tone you really want to set. Uh, you know, if, you, if this was KO's team two years ago where you had, you know, like four, four guys that you could even put on the floor, that's one thing. But that's not the case with this team. I mean, Omar Arabi finished up last year with 18 points and 12 rebounds in the Pac-12 tournament game. Uh, they were, people were pretty, pretty upbeat about uh, what, I mean, uh, Keyshawn Howard started three years in the ACC at Maryland point guard DJ uh, uh, Haley seven foot guy uh, smart kid got his degree at Virginia Commonwealth started for Virginia Commonwealth NCAA team against USC in the tournament um, so it wasn't that the cupboard was completely bare uh, just, it's really hard for me to figure out what they're trying to do and why why guys haven't gotten better? Why can't when you start a seven-two guy and a six-ten guy? How can you not be able to throw the ball inside? How can you not be able to post somebody up? How can you not be able to run some kind of offense off? And I know everybody who criticizes any critics says we're just not any good. We're just so bad. I just I don't believe that. I don't think it's like my take on the weightlifting. I don't think the weightlifting was that bad in football. And conditioning, and I don't think the players on this basketball team are a one in fifteen team in the pack. I mean, they beat my Xavier team won its twentieth game this week. Beat Creighton. They're going to go to the NCAA tournament. You know, USC beat them straight up, a neutral court, played hard, big big scoring game. USC outplayed Xavier. USC, had, you know, they beat a Boston College team that that started the Syracuse decline and, you know, after 25 straight wins, Boston College knocked Syracuse out. You know, USC took care of Boston College fairly easily. The win at Dayton uh, was a big-time win. You know, where that team had um, had uh, Byron Wesley not missed the bus for Long Beach State and not, be, not been allowed to play much, uh, they win that game. And they're 10-3 and three coming into the Pac-10, Pac-12. What happened? I mean, obviously, they know your tendencies. They scout the heck out of you. 
They won't let you do what you want to do. That's when you have to be able to do something else. And you still have to play hard and you have to play smart. And we don't see enough of that. And I hope this isn't a wasted opportunity because I think the coaches have done a marvelous job recruiting. I think they've really, I mean, I love Jordan McLaughlin. I, 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 I think, you know, the, the uh, transfers, I think, will help out immediately, Reinhardt and, uh, and Darren Clark. Uh, I think I like the, some of the, the, you know, their kids that are going to develop, but they've got the big frames and, and good athleticism on this uh, recruiting class that's coming in next year. So I like everything about that. I just wish they'd have, uh, have accomplished more in this first year because I think the fans were ready to – kind of get involved, and they still do a good job. It's a nice game environment. I wish more students would show up, but it's a good game environment with the band and the song girls and the dance team, and the the DJ is working really well, and the people have a lot of fun, uh, except for, you know, not for 40 minutes watching the game. Uh, so I, I just think it was a little bit of a missed opportunity this year and don't have a good explanation as to why. You know, we were talking before, and I think you've made a good point. It seems like a kind of a throwaway year. And I don't necessarily have an opinion on, you know, should this – I think this team should be better than, you know, one win in the Pac-12 for sure. How good they, should they be? I'm not sure. But it does seem like a sort of throwaway year where it's not – they had to get better. Like, you know, what, I know that some people feel the talent isn't that good. You have to give them time. And, I, you know, I agree. You don't want to fire a coach after one year. But it's it just seems like at this point in the season, it should be better. There should be some progress made. Guys should be getting better. Because I don't think whoever you bring in, you want to bring in LeBron James next year, do you think you can go from 1-15 to a winning record in the Pac-12? I mean, I, it just seems like it's going to be a bigger jump. Yeah, there were some troubling issues. For example, I don't think this team should have given up the most points in the history of like 250 games USC and UCLA over a hundred and however many years or whatever, 107 points. That's the most any USC team ever gave up to UCLA or the back-to-back overtime losses. No USC team in history ever lost two back-to-back uh, overtime games. I mean, basically you get into overtime. Yeah. They have a shot at winning, especially if one of them's at home. It was. It's just those little things that are troubling, you know. That just, oh man, I don't, I don't know. And if you do accept what some people say, oh, this team is terrible. None of these guys were ever going to play again. Blah blah blah. Well, accepting that, then shouldn't if you start out with a bad team, shouldn't you have more room to improve? I mean, basically, this team hasn't gotten better, and. So I don't know what that says, but this wasn't a bad team the first half of the year. And now it's, I mean, they were actually almost, they lost by 15 to Oregon State at home and said things like the players were saying, you know, there was a lot of positive in that game. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you lost by 15 to Oregon State. Don't tell me that. But so I don't know. I, I just think 
the jury is out in some ways about what the heck happened this year. I wish I knew. Yeah, we'll I didn't see. see it coming, and I don't think Andy did. And Andy said he didn't see it coming. Players didn't see it coming. Well, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a, a long off season for the USC basketball team before they kind of get go get those players in and see how they're able to turn around next year. We'll see what happens. But uh, Well, I mean, I really, really, really like Jordan McLaughlin, the point guard they've got coming in yeah. from Etiwanda. I mean, I just can't you know, have, have I just I like him as as well as any you know point. I'm not a, a absolute expert on the on the whole country, but you know there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of guys any better than he is as, as far as a kid, as far as a leader, as far as a uh, an athlete. Um, really, really, and they got him to you know commit early and um, and kept you know UCLA didn't get any of the point guards I think they wanted. So uh, I think that and it's obvious. You need a point guard to be able to uh, to to get done what you really you know feel like you've got. So I think the building block is there with Jordan McLaughlin, and uh, and we'll see how you know, some of these other guys have to grow into into their situation. But uh, I just wish had more accomplished with this team this season that that, that it was a building block, and I'm not sure it is. That's all. All right. Well, Dan, great stuff. We really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and doing it solo today. So uh, thanks for thanks for doing that. It was a lot of a lot of fun. Oh, it was, uh, and uh, I'm glad there's only one basketball question to get me in trouble on with uh, <laughs> with with some of the folks. But uh, it, it really, you want to see this, and you think bas- basketball ought to be good at USC, and you want it to be good. And you want Andy, I mean, I like Andy a lot. I think Andy, I really feel like he's a good guy. I really feel like he's a smart guy. Uh, I'm just, I'm not sure what happened this year. But I don't think, you know, that it ought to be interpreted as, oh, you don't like, you know, Andy or you don't like, no, 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 no. You want to see him be good. You want to see him be better than they are. You want to see him, you know, take something out of this year that, that they can build on. And, uh, you know, we just, you don't want to say what you don't think is happening. If you, if you, if you think it's a missed opportunity, you ought to say it. And maybe next year they won't miss the opportunity. All right. Well, thanks again, Dan. It's a lot of fun. We'll uh, talk to you again next week and we'll get the real more, uh, a real more in-depth spring preview because it'll be one day away from spring football next Monday. So thanks again for coming on the show and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning into the Peristyle podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.